Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the magical mystery tour called Life, Matthew DiBiase. Tonight's guest is baseball historian Bill Nolan, who is, now, who is uniquely qualified to discuss Ted Williams' career because Bill has been a lifelong Boston Red Sox fan and was one of the first fans to mob pitcher Jim Lonborg when he pitched the final out of the game that clinched the 1967 pennant for the Red Sox. Bill was elected vice president of the Society of American Baseball Researchers in 2004 and served five terms in that capacity before becoming director in 2016. Yesterday, August 30th, was the 103rd anniversary of Ted Williams' birth, and this year, 2021, marks the 80th anniversary of Ted Williams' greatest legacy to baseball when he became the last man ever to bat over 400 for an entire season. Right here and now, Bill Nolan and I will discuss Ted Williams's immortal feat. Bill, welcome to the show. When the 1941 season began, how many years had Williams been playing baseball with the Red Sox? And by that, by 41, had he established himself as the team's franchise player? First of all, glad to be here uh, and uh, happy to talk about Ted. I don't remember the 1941 season because I wasn't born yet, but <laughs> like many of us, I've looked back at it. Yeah, it was his third year with the Red Sox. He had uh, spent one year with their AAA farm team in Minneapolis, the Millers, and he won the Triple Crown that year in the league with a 366 average, 43 home runs, and 142 runs batted in. He then came to the Red Sox, uh, just turned 21 that year. I mean, when he first came up, he was uh, uh, still 20. Uh, and uh, he set a record for rookies that still has never been beaten, 145 RBIs in his first year. Uh, people have gotten within one RBI of it, but even with a 162-game season, nobody has, uh, has matched that record. He hit 327 that year, and of course he, he uh, caught the imagination of just about everybody. He hit a little better the year after that, 1940, hit 344. 23 homers and 113 RBIs, a uh, little bit down on the, the run production, but most people don't hit 140 RBIs any year. And then, of course, came 1941, where, as you said, he, uh, for 80 years, nobody has matched that mark for getting a, a hit 40% of the time he came to bat. What I find amazing about Ted's 41 season is that when he hit for Henry, it was that there were a few times during that season, like two or three times, his batting average dipped below 400, and yet he would surge to get it back above the 400 level. In your opinion, Bill, what was it that helped Williams maintain his high level of hitting efficiency? Well, there were, there were twice. Um, first of all, he had hurt, hurt his ankle in spring training. Uh, it was probably actually cracked. I don't have access to the x-rays and it's, it's really hard to tell what happened, but he didn't play much in April. Uh, he There were one, two, three, four, five, six games that he just pinch hit in April, and then three other games that he played some in left field. So he got off just kind of a slow start. Um, he finished the month 389. That's not far from 400, but it was in the threes. And he, then a couple of days later, he dropped down to 310. That was his low mark of the year. And he, uh, he built it back up again over the next few weeks. It wasn't uh, actually, it was about three weeks it took him to get up back over 400. It was one other time that he dropped down, uh, well, actually twice, literally, um, in early July. Uh, 
he dropped to 399, back to 405, down to 398, 397. He didn't get any deeper than 393. That was as far off as he got. But it was still below 400. And then the next to last day of the season, uh, he dropped just below it, uh, just before the final day of the season. It's, you know, he was just consistent. He was, uh, some people guessed that he might have, and he said he allowed that might be the case, that having to favor that ankle uh, with his right ankle, uh, having to favor that caused him to pay maybe a little more attention uh, to things, maybe swing at the bat, bat just a little bit different, maybe hold back just a bit. I don't know, you know, if that could be proven, then you'd have a lot of players going out and breaking their ankles, I suppose. But. Now, setting the stage for the end of the season, yeah, he had a couple of days off. Then the last three games of the 41 season, they're, they're, uh, they're going to take on the Philadelphia A's. And tell me if this is true. Technically, I mean, it was 400, but it was actually like 0.399 and then fra fraction points above the five level where if you rounded it off, it would be 400. Is that accurate? Or is it, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Um, he had uh, a 401 average at the end of the September 24th doubleheader in Washington. And then the team went to Philadelphia, and he was one for four. That dropped him to what it actually was was .39955. Yeah. Uh, it would have been rounded up to 400, but it wasn't 400. And he was uh, he was kind of rigid about that. He was, he's, uh, there's a couple quotations that said, uh, you know, basically, it wasn't 400. And in fact, the Philadelphia Inquirer the next day said Williams falls to 399. So they put it right in print almost as a challenge to him. Okay. So this was a road game, right? This was played yeah. at, at uh, Philadelphia Shy Park. It was not a home game, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Before that famous doubleheader, what, uh, what was the consensus? I mean, were the A's determined to stop Ted? Or I mean, sometimes players like to help, and sometimes they try to stop you. What was the attitude of the A's towards Ted's record? I mean, were they really geared up to stop him? Um, yeah, uh, not because they wanted to stop him per se, but just because they wanted to keep things on the up and up and and, and be fair. There's, there's a couple stories about it. Uh, the uh, Connie Mack was the manager for, for the, uh, the A's, and uh, I talked to a couple of people. I, I, it was in the papers, too, but I, I uh, was able to reach a couple of players on the team a few years ago. Uh, when I, 20-some years ago, Porter Vaughn, one of the pitchers, and he said uh, Connie Mack didn't talk to pitchers, but he did, <laughs> I don't know why, but he talked to the catcher, Frankie Hayes. Frank was a good catcher. When, came, when Ted came to bat, Frank told Ted, that the pitchers had the word from Mr. Mack that they didn't ought to let up, as how we said it, they didn't ought to let up at all on Ted. And if they did, they'd have to pay the consequences. In other words, he wanted them to, uh, you know, he wanted them to earn it, not because he had anything against Ted Williams, but he just wanted them to earn it. Now, tell, please tell our listeners, how did Ted do during that doubleheader? I mean, it's it's one of the most incredible performances of career. Please tell our listeners, how did he perform? It, it really is. I looked up one thing. Uh, I went through it, sort of at-bat by at-bat, to try to see what, what it would be like. He, uh, he came into that game, uh, as we just agreed, just being a little bit below 
400. Uh, if he had gone three for eight in the doubleheader, which everybody, any batter, if you said, hey, you can go three for eight today, any batter would say, wow, great, I'll take it. If he had gone three for eight, his average would have dropped to 399. So he had to do better than three for eight. He had to bat at least 500 Jeez. in the doubleheader to break even. Now, it was one bat at a time, of course, but supposedly, um, then the story goes that when uh, he came up to bat, Bill McGowan was the plate umpire, and Ted himself said, I'll never forget it, just as I stopped, stepped in, he called time, slowly walked around the plate, bent over and began dusting it off. Without looking up, he said, to hit 400, a batter has got to be loose. He has got to be loose. So the umpire was aware of it, Everybody in the park was aware of it, uh, and uh, certainly Ted Williams was aware of it. Uh, he got a single his first time up, so that right there put him over 400. He was 400 point. He was point four oh oh eight nine oh eight. He could have quit right then and said, "Okay, I got my 400. I'm taking the rest of the day off." It didn't matter in the standings for either team. Uh, he had nothing to lose by taking the second at bat, though, because even if he made it out the second time up. He'd be exactly 400. He'd have his 500 for the day, one for two. But when he came up in the fifth inning, the second time, he homered. Wow. He had a pit, uh, over the right center field wall, about 440 feet. So now he's batting 402. He could make out both of the next two times up and still be over 400, but he didn't. The next time he came up, he uh, was uh, facing the guy I quoted a little while ago, Porter Vaughn. And uh, he uh, hit a ball, hit a, hit a uh, ball up the middle, so he had a single. So he all, now he was three for three on the day. The Red Sox scored six runs in that inning. They they closed the gap. The final score was twelve to eleven. The Red Sox. So I mean, Ted Williams having two runs scored, two RBIs, and uh, going four for five because he finally did make it out his fifth time up. Uh, I mean, that made all the difference. Uh, in, the, in the game, him and the other players as well. The Red, and then he kept going. He didn't just take off the second game. I mean, he could relax at that point even more. I mean, he wasn't relaxed. He was trying to stay loose, but uh, he, he just kept going. And he went two for three in the second game. So he was actually six for eight on the day instead of uh, four for eight, which is what he needed. Uh, he could have gone 0 for four in the second game and still come out okay, but he went two for three instead. Wow. Red Sox lost the game. As I said, it didn't matter the standings. One other thing, too, is that his, he set another uh, kind of record at the time. Uh, it was not just 406 as a batting average. Well, there's two things about that, if I can go on here a bit. Go ahead, sure, sure. Uh, please. One thing is uh, that he, his on-base percentage was 553. Wow. Because he drew, what, 147 walks. Oh. I mean, pitchers were already learning to work around him and and not make it easy. You know, they did, he had 119 RBIs that year. He hit 37 runs batted in. He led, uh, you know, in the league in both. He led the major leagues in homers that year, and he was fourth in RBIs. Uh, and he was having a great year, not just hits, but 553. So you could count on him. More than half the time he came up to bat, he got on base one way or the other. Wow. And, and you know, that's uh, that's pretty good. Baseball is a really typical game. Yeah. There's just one other oddity 
which is that we're familiar with the sacrifice fly rule these days, that if you hit a sacrifice fly, it doesn't count as a net bat. So if, you know, it was a guy on third base, you hit a, even if he's on second base and you hit a ball to deep right field and the guy tags up and goes to third, that doesn't count as a net bat for the batter. Yeah. He gets, he gets credit in a sense in, in not being a charged a negative. Uh, but in, for a short period of time during 1941, a few years before and a few years after, the sacrifice fly rule was not in effect. Had it been in effect, he would have hit 411 of the year. <laughs> there also would have been no drama on the final day because he would have been significantly over 400. And we wouldn't have the great story to look at that wow. we have today. Wow. Yeah, oh, that, that's fantastic. And isn't it true that Ted Williams has the greatest on-base percentage of all time, or is he first or second? He's, he's first of, of everybody that ever played baseball. You know, you've got to have the usual caveats in there that played more than 20 games a year or something like yeah, that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if he, for anybody that's ever played a full season, he, he is number one, 482, which, again, 48% of the time he came to bat. Wow. He got on base one way or another. He, he got an awful lot of intentional walks in his career because uh, they just pitched around him, but he, he earned an awful lot of regular walks, too. Let me look this up now. He walked 2,021 times. Wow. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. But it's a tribute uh, to his prowess and his greatness as a hitter. I mean, that's a tribute yeah. when you think about it, you know? <laughs> yep. He was in 2,292 games, so almost every single game he played in, he got at least one walk. That's right. Even in his last game, I think his first at bat in that that final game at Fenway in '60, he he walked his first at bat, if I recall mm. correctly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he and he, uh, you know, he ended April. As I said, he didn't bat that much because he was just still hampered by the thing. He ended. He was 389 at the end of the month. He had those two dips that you that you referred to, but I, I looked up the month end average. At the end of May, he was 429. Gee. At the end of June, he was 404. At the end of July, he was 409. Yeah. At the end of August, he was 407. So he was pretty consistent there once he, you know, got through the first couple months. And then 406 at the end, he didn't waver more than, what, three points from 404. Wow. Or five points from 404 to 409. Now, interestingly enough, incredibly, Joe DiMaggio won the MVP award in 1941. How close was Ted Williams in the MVP voting? I mean, was it neck and neck, or did the fact that DiMaggio had that 56-game hitting streak kind of uh, obscure what Ted Williams did, you know, in 41? What 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 did your research tell you about the voting for the, the MVP voting? Well, I I haven't looked for, if I ever did, at the actual voting. Uh, it's the uh, Yankees won the pennant yeah. by a considerable margin. The Red Sox were in second place, but they were 17 games behind the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, there's, because there were three teams in New York at the time, there were more voters, more reporters, who were the voters, uh, in the uh, in the balloting. So, you know, there might have been a little of local prejudice there. Yeah. Ted Williams had already begun to feud with some of the reporters, mm. and he, he didn't. He had a few friends among the New York reporters, <laughs> but uh, alienated some of the Boston uh Boston media, and he, he just kind of went his own way. I mean, you know, a 56-game hitting streak is incredibly impressive, too. DiMaggio was number one in the league for runs batted in. He had 125 RBIs. Uh, and, uh, you you know, it's just uh, 
it, it's hard to fault the uh, decision that year. Just because somebody hits 400 doesn't necessarily mean they were the most valuable player in the in the league. Yeah. Maybe to their team for sure. The next year was the weird year for Ted Williams, though. He won the triple crown. Yeah. That year, he was first in batting average, first in home runs, first in runs batted in, and he did not get the MVP. Jeez. It was another Yankee. Again, the Yankees finished first, but it was Joe Gordon, the second baseman, <laughs> and he was uh, thirty look thirty-four points behind Williams in batting average. Hmm. He had half as many home runs. He had eighteen. Ted had thirty-six. He had 103 RBIs, but Ted had 137. And the, the, the thing that I always found amusing is that Gordon only led the league in two categories. Yeah. Number of strikeouts and number of ground out into double plays. Gee. So, yeah. the, like, the two worst things you could do, strike out and into double play, he led the league. <laughs> but he, you know, I mean, he was a very valuable player. There's yeah. no doubt, you know, defense at second base for the Yankees and, and so forth. But, uh, that was a year that, you know, I think a lot of people think that Williams got robbed. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, he got he lost it too in 47. He had another stupendous year, but he lost out to DiMaggio in 47. I think that's the one where he told the famous story. He said if he had gotten like a 10th place vote, he would have, you know, or something like that, he would have edged out Joe, I think, or something like that. It was one of those seasons. Yeah, there is a story like that, and, and there's one voter that didn't even include him. Yeah, basically what you're saying the other way around. One voter didn't even vote him as one of the top ten players in the Jeez. league. Yeah, which is you know obviously a a spiteful vote. Yeah, yeah. Bill, you're not, are you presently working on a book project? Uh, uh, can you tell us about that? What What are you working on right now? The The next book I have coming out, I, I'm actually waiting for the design so I can proofread it now. But the next book I have coming out is about Ted Williams. Ooh. And uh, it's uh, something that just struck me at one point, and I kind of filed it away in my memory, and I'm thinking a while ago, okay, you know, I want to write another book, what can I be? And uh, I came up with this idea of his Ted Williams and his game-winning home run. Ooh. He hit um, 521 home runs, but 110 of them actually won the game. <laughs> it provided the difference in the game. If it was a one to nothing game, hit it in the first inning, well, it's the game-winning home run. If he hit it in the seventh inning and it made the score six to two, and the, rest, and the other team scored three runs, it was still his home run that made the difference. And uh, he did that 100 and 10 times, which is 20-some percent of the home runs they hit actually won games. Now, is that a big league record? I mean, have you cross-checked with others? Is, is that the major league record, his game-winning home runs? It's, uh, it, it ranks, there's one guy that had a higher percentage of them, which is, one would never guess, probably Eddie Murray. Ooh, yeah, Baltimore Orioles, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. It's just it's a matter of timing, and, and your team, you know, you got to win the game, first of all, because it's not a game-winning home run if your team didn't win. Uh, but it's, uh, it was, he, he's right up there, you know, better than Babe Ruth. But, uh, the, the idea came out of a book where he wrote, he just happened to say in passing, I had more game-winning home runs than, than Babe Ruth. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I tried to look that up. 
Yeah, I wonder who is the all-time leader. That would be interesting. You know, you know it, 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 I, I would like to know the answer to that one. But I mean, with Ted, you know, that's that's absolutely fantastic. When can we expect its release, Bill? And when it's out, I'd love to have you on the show again. We can talk about that in, in great depth. Sure, okay? It's supposed to come out this fall. Um, this fall is almost on us, and I haven't seen the design yet, so I'm kind of wondering. It's, uh, but you know, it could come in tomorrow morning. We'll we'll see. Uh, well, well, let me let me know as soon as you can. As soon as it hits the you know, the bookshelves, you know, and I'll I'll want you on the show again. Okay. Right. Sure. And I'd be happy to talk about it and uh, what how I, you know, I had to go through every single game <laughs> where he hit a home run and the Red Sox won. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of games they didn't win. There are a couple of games they didn't hit home runs in, but uh, the two of them together happened 110 times. There were, you know, it's not the record in terms of quantity. Uh, Eddie Murray, I, I mentioned, had he had 116 as it happened. Uh, he and Hank Aaron, because he hit many more home runs, he hit more than 250 home runs, more than almost 250 more yeah. than Ted Williams. He had 151, but his his percentage was 20 percent, whereas Ted's was 21 percent. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he, where's Barry Bonds? So Barry Bonds is. You know, he, he had 122 uh, and a, a percentage that was 16%. So he's way down there in terms of percentage, even though he had more home runs than anybody. Yeah, but of course you got the steroids too. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you win a game or you don't win a game, that's, it has nothing to do with, yeah. uh, you know. Bill, I want to thank you so much for being on my show, and I can't wait to have you on again. And uh, i just like to say, go Red Sox, go Red Sox, okay? And... Uh, you take care. Please be safe, Bill, okay? Yeah, and I always enjoy talking about Ted Williams, as, as you can tell. And, uh, thank you very much. Yo, I'll tell you this, Bill. If I if I myself ever built the field of dreams, he would be one of those players coming out of the cornfield whom I would love to meet, seriously. I, he, yeah. I would want to meet him in the cornfield. I had a chance to, to meet him several times. And uh, Oh, man, you lucky yeah. man. You lucky man, yeah. He was a great guy in uh, – in, many ways. You got it. Bill, you take care, okay? Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show, where I will be interviewing football historian Tommy Phillips. Thank you, and good night.